Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. We are people who have feelings, but we're not led by our feelings. And in spite of what is going on in the world today, we are a people of faith. So I want you to listen up and to lean in because we're going to continue our series called Get Smart, which is a series about wisdom from the Proverbs. And i got lots to get through this morning. And basically, I thought we'd start the year off because I know the new year comes with New Year's resolutions. And last week, we talked about some of those top five resolutions and some of them were starting a new hobby and, and some of them were to stop smoking. And, 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 and the number one was to lose weight. How's everyone going with their New Year's resolution to lose weight this year? Who's still on that gig? Anyone still on it? Paul's still there, still at the gym, still watching what you eat, protein? High protein, low carb, no fat, all that kind of stuff. Awesome, fantastic. Well, wherever you are in your journey, all the best. But for me, what I believe and what I would love to see for each and every one of us in this room and everyone who calls themselves a member of Life Adelaide, I would love one of your resolutions to be that you would get smart, that we would get smart this year, that we would grow in our wisdom, that we would turn wisdom into wisdom. Turn to the person next and say, turning wisdom into wisdom. And we looked at a few things last week about that. We talked about the fear of the law. We talked about obeying His commands. And we talked about searching for wisdom. If you want wisdom, it's not everywhere. It's not everywhere. You've got to search for it like you would gold, rubies and silver. Gold, rubies and silver is not everywhere. Dirt's everywhere. People's opinions are everywhere. But wisdom is not. You've got to search for it. You've got to dig for it. You've got to try and find it. And that was last week's message. And I'd encourage you, if you missed it, or even if you listened to it, have a listen again, because all of our messages are available online to watch and or listen to again and again and again. So the question is, why is wisdom so important? Why are we talking about wisdom? Why is wisdom so important? I'm so glad you asked. And the reason wisdom is so important is because we all want to succeed in life. Put your hand up if you want to succeed in life. I mean, let's be honest, none of us want to fail. None of us set out and say, I can't wait to be a failure. No one plants a church wanting it to fail. No one starts a business wanting it to fail. No one gets married wanting it to fail. We all want to succeed in life. And here's the good news. Wisdom will not only help us to succeed, but it will also help us to define what true success is. It's one thing to be successful, but it's another thing to know what biblical success really is. See, what I've learned is many people suffer from success sickness. What is success sickness? Success sickness is when you arrive at your destination, where you arrive at your successful place and it's not what you thought it would be. It's where you climb the corporate ladder, the ladder of success, and you find it's leaning against the wrong wall. It's where you look over the fence and see the grass is greener. And when you finally get there, you realise it's artificial grass. Or even worse, it's concrete painted green. And it's not what you thought it would be. And I know many, many people, and maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in the room today and you've experienced the measure of success only to find it's not as fulfilling as you thought it would be. See, we not only need wisdom to be successful, we need wisdom to first define what success really is. And so in my introduction this morning, three things about genuine success. Genuine success, according to Solomon, remember it was Solomon who wrote the Proverbs and compiled the book 
of Proverbs. Solomon was so wise, he realised there were other wise people that he could glean from. That's true wisdom, when you realise you're not the only one. And so the book of Proverbs is written and compiled by Solomon. Some are his writings and some are the writings of others. And he compiled the wise sayings of wise people. And according to Solomon, genuine success, according to him, is number one, lasting. Everyone say lasting. lasting. See, anyone can start something. You know right now, without any training, we say, I'm going to start a marathon. Every one of us, even Betty, my 87-year-old, no, how old are you? How old, how old? You're 90, that's right. Yes, your 90th birthday last year, I remember that. She's my 90-year-old girlfriend. My 90-year-old girlfriend and I could line up for a marathon. We could start it. Anyone can start something. But who thinks Betty would finish? I don't know if she'd finish. It might finish her. I don't know if she'd finish. It would definitely finish me. It would finish me. I don't know if I would finish. I think it would finish me. But we can all start. Anyone can start something. But to finish it, to keep going when it gets tough. Proverbs says it this way in Proverbs 24 verse 10. It says, if you falter in your time of trouble, how small is your strength? We need to toughen up. See, success is about turning moments into lasting moments. You know, I love going to weddings. I love being part of weddings. I love getting to go to them. Weddings are awesome and they're beautiful. And we just celebrated a wedding in the church the other week. Fantastic day, awesome day. Love it. Beautiful, amazing, wonderful. But it's just the beginning. The wedding is not the be all and the end all. In actual fact, I wish people spend as much time preparing themselves for marriage as they do for the wedding. In actual fact, if you are looking to get married, I would say get marriage counsel before you put a ring on it. Because this is not a small decision to make. Because for me, success in a marriage isn't about the wedding day. It's about a long lasting life together fulfilled, purpose-driven life together, raising family, staying in love. Write this down. If you want to stay in love and you want to do life well together with the, with the wife or husband of your youth, I would say this. What you did to get the girl is what you've got to do to keep the girl. Don't get married and then stop showering and stop putting on aftershave and stop doing your hair and stop putting on makeup and stop trying. We did all that to get the girl. Don't stop doing it. Just a little aside right there. If you want to make a lasting marriage successful, we've got to endure. It's seeing things through in sickness and in health. What is true success? True success is lasting. Secondly, according to Solomon, true success or genuine success is satisfying. Write this down. More is not always more. More is not always more. You see, more comes with more pressure and more problems. Everyone wants a promotion, but with that promotion, not only comes more money, but it becomes more pressure. And then people start complaining about the pressure. And then they're not at home as much. And all of a sudden there's a strain in the family. And then there's always a listening ear at workplace. And then it puts pressure on that relationship and and it gets out of control real quick because more is not always more. If you're not graced to carry the pressure, then it will lead to problems. I love what Pastor Danny has taught for many, many years that we all have a God shape and we've got to find our God shape. 
And if you're not, if you're not gifted to be in a high-end executive position, it's going to cripple you. It's going to kill you. You might get the promotion because you've worked an angle, but it's, you're not going to be able to sustain it because it's not ultimately satisfying. I thank God for those that are in leadership, but it's a gift. And before we criticise the leaders of our nation or the leaders of our state, just remember it's a gift. For everyone who's pointing a finger at our Prime Minister right now or our Premier right now, do you have the answers? Right now, there's not a person on the face of the planet who has an answer for this thing called COVID. So let's be kind. Let's be kind. More is not always more. Proverbs 17 verse 1 says it this way, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Love Proverbs. Proverbs 15 verse 16, 17 says this, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. In other words, less with peace is better than stuff with turmoil. So is it lasting? Is it satisfying? And thirdly, is it earthly and eternal? See, Solomon had a great deal of success. In actual fact, he was a man in his time that had everything. Everything you could ever want, he had. And if you wanna know what he had, you can read in the book of Ecclesiastes all the things that he had. And here's the good thing, God was happy to give it to him. God is happy to give you things. God is happy to give you stuff. I'm not one of those old school Pentecostal preachers uh, that, that just wanna live in poverty. I'm not, I'm not about that. God wants to bless you. I really do believe he wants, to, he wants to bless you while we are here on earth. But it's more than that. And Solomon learnt that it's more than that. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10, he says this, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Imagine that, whatever your eyes desired, he got. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labour. And this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, here it is, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. See, genuine success is not only about here and now, it's also about eternity. For me, eternity is the only thing that makes this life make sense. Without eternity, what's the point of this earth? But if you understand this earth is a setup for eternity, it begins to make sense. And I thank God we have a God who's so for us that He wants to bless us now and in eternity. He wants to give us abundant life and eternal life. He came that we might have life to the full. In other words, we can have the steak on the plate while we wait for the pie in the sky when we die. Don't you like that? It's about earthly and eternal blessing. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 says it this way. What good would it be for you if someone gains the whole world? I want you to think about this. But they forfeit their soul. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Hey, let's believe for great things to happen in the here and now. Let's believe, but let's not let go of eternity. Amen. True success has to do with eternity. So having established that, how do we get genuine success? How do we get it? And that's what I wanna talk about today. And I wanna do it by adopting what I call the plodding principle. The plodding 
principle. Turn to the person next to you and say, plodding principle. What does the word plodding mean? This is a dictionary definition. Plodding means slow moving, unexciting, methodical, monotonous, perseverance. And I've added one, non-sexy. That's what it is. Everyone wants sexy. Everyone wants exciting. Everyone wants now. Everyone wants big. But you know what? If we're going to put these proverbs into practice, we need to learn how to plod. Why? Because lots of little steps in the same direction over a long period of time will take you a long way. I want you to sink, I want this to sink in. If we're going to have a New Year's resolution that comes to pass, then we need to be resolute. Proverbs uses the word diligence to describe what I call plodding. In Proverbs 12 verse 24, it says, Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labour. Again, in Proverbs 21 verse 5, it says, The plans of the diligent, there it is, lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And again, Proverbs 13 verse 4 says it this way, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Those that know how to plod, those that know how to do little things over a long period of time will go a long way in life. If we can embrace the monotonous, if we can embrace the non-sexy, if we can embrace the mundane and add it to faith, I believe we will not only achieve our New Year's resolutions, but so much more. You know, they tell me that bamboo, when it's watered and fertilised, every day after it's been planted, there's no evidence of growth after five years. You can water it and fertilise it every day for five years and you'll see zero evidence of growth. But in the next five weeks, after that five-year period, it grows to be 90 foot tall. Question, How long does it take for bamboo to grow 90 feet tall? Five weeks or five years? Well, without the five years, the five weeks wouldn't happen. And so right now, you may be in that five-year season, that five-year period where you're watering and you're fertilising and you're watering and you're fertilising and you've got nothing to show for it. You know what I would say to you? Keep watering. Keep fertilising. Don't give up. Don't give in. Because there's coming a growth spurt. There's coming a time in your life, just like bamboo, where you will grow. Why? Because we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year. Every young church partner is going to set the world on fire. In the first year, we're going to have a thousand people. And yet we underestimate what we can do in five years. We overestimate what we can do in one year. And we tend to underestimate what we can do in five years. See, successful people do occasion, uh, uh, consistently what others do occasionally. Most of us know what to do. We just don't do it consistently enough to get the victory. How many of you have ever been to the gym? Come on, show me your hands. How many of you have ever been to the gym consistently? How many of you have eaten a healthy meal? Come on. How many of you have eaten a healthy meal consistently? Hands up, but not as many. 
Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. A river cuts through a rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. We're gonna keep on keeping on. Now remember, and I said this last week, the Proverbs are not promises. They are patterns, they are principles that work on percentages. In other words, the majority of the time, if you do these things, they will work, but they are not a promise. Proverbs 21 verse 30 says it this way, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory rests with the Lord. Do you know what our job to do is? Our job is to prepare the horse for battle. But the victory belongs to the Lord. And when we've finished our climbing our ladder of life, God's gonna ask us how well did we climb? Not how high did we climb, but how well did we climb? You think about some of the early church that were put to death. God didn't say, what did you die for? He wants to know how well we did what we did here on planet Earth. And the fact that men and women were willing to lay down their lives and not give up their faith is why He would say, well done, good, faithful servant. But when we cheat, we lie and we steal, that's also gonna have a bearing into eternity. God wants to know how well we did what we did here on earth. Do you know what righteousness is all about? It's about doing the right thing. Not because people are watching, not because you'll be rewarded, but because it's the right thing to do. You know, being a pastor for as long as I have, I get to see many, many incredible moments. And one of the incredible moments I've had to witness over the last few years is the way Greg and Jean Downton have done their life. And and I've watched Jean as she loves on Greg. She's not loving on Greg, demanding a healing. She's loving on Greg because that's what good wives do. And I believe that is what's gonna be rewarded in heaven, that you never gave up, you never gave in, although it was tough, although you didn't have all the answers, although there were times you just felt like screaming, you stayed the course. And that inspires me. Gene, if you're watching today, you inspire me. Greg, you inspire me. There are others who are going through tragedy right now and the way they conduct themselves inspires me and it's what brings a smile to the face of God. See, life is not always about winning. It's about doing life well. How well are you doing life? Or how many of you just give give up because it's getting tough? I know some of you are struggling to be here today and you're here, well done, well done. Don't give up, don't give in, but let's keep going. Having said that, Today, we want to talk about putting the plodding principle into practice. Putting the plodding principle into practice. And here's a quick checklist. It's not an exclusive one. It's not an exhaustive one. It's just a few things I think will help us as they've helped me. I've gleaned wisdom from the Proverbs over the years. And these are some of the things that have helped me. And I hope they help you. Okay. And so we're going to go through eight things this morning very quickly in the short time that I have. Okay. So number one is this, when it comes to putting the plotting principle into practice, what do you do? Well, I would say number one, set your goals. Set your goals. Proverbs chapter one, verse one says it this way, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, 
for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. Solomon compiled the book of Proverbs, why? In the hope that his son in particular would gain wisdom. In other words, that's what Solomon wanted for his son. That was the goal that he set in place. I've got a goal that my son would glean wisdom. The reality is he didn't. He lost the kingdom in three days. That's like a, that's like a, a world record. Well done. But that's another side. In Solomon's heart was this desire. I want my son to have wisdom. And so he compiled this book called Proverbs. Here's my question for us this morning. What do you want? What do you want? If you don't know what you want, not even God can help you. Who remembers the, uh, the book, the movie, Alice in Wonderland? Maybe you remember this little moment in the book or in the film and Alice comes across a cat and she asks the cat this question. She looks at the cat and she says, which road should I take? Do you remember this? And the cat replied, well, where is it that you're going? And Alice responds to the cat. She says, I, I don't know. To which the cat then responds, then it doesn't matter what road you take. Yeah. If you don't know where you're going, if you don't know what you want, it doesn't matter what road you take. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't matter whether you end up in Gaula or the city, it doesn't matter what direction you drive in. But if you wanna go to the city, you've gotta go in a certain direction. Yeah. You've gotta get on a certain path. You've got to get a certain road. You can't head north and expect to get to the city. You'll never get there. But if it doesn't matter where you go, then it doesn't matter what you do. So the question is, what do you want? You've got to be clear about what you want. For me, I set a life mantra at the age of 18 because I was in love with Jesus. I was in love with a young lady called Kath. I was in love with my family. I just love church. I love life. And one thing perplexed me was the older Christians in our church didn't seem to be as excited as I was about Jesus or church, which did not make sense to me because I thought I hardly know anything at the age of 18. Surely with all your knowledge, you'd be far more excited about Jesus and church than I am. So why aren't you so excited? And I made this life mantra for myself. What did I wanna be like at the age of 50? As an 18 year old, 50 seemed like a thousand years away. The reality is I turned 53 next week. It's, it's been and gone. But this, this, was, this is my mantra for myself because I didn't want to be like a lot of people that I saw. In actual fact, if you, if, if, you want to, if you want to become like something, then you can learn from a good model, but you can also learn from a bad model. And I had a lot of bad models. I had a lot of things I didn't want to be in my life. And so I, I set these three things for my life. Number one was I wanted the body of a younger man. And I realised that comes with a measure of disciplines and disciplines and, 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 and diligence, sorry and persevering. So that was one. Secondly, I, I wanted the wisdom of an older man. And that required that I hung around older, wiser people than myself. And the third one is I wanted the spirit of a godly man. And I made a decision at the, 18, at the age of 18 that no matter what happens to me, I'm gonna use it to get better, not bitter. I'm gonna use it to get better, not bitter. And so when I turned 50, we had a big celebration because I felt like, wow, I was able to achieve those three things. He said, what do we do now? I just, I want the same thing for me at 60 and 70 and 80. And so I'm just gonna keep these disciplines going. The things that got me to 50, I'm gonna keep going. But it starts with setting your goals. What do you want? And if you don't know what you want, it doesn't matter what you do. 
But if you know what you want, it's gonna help you stay the course. Secondly, plan in pencil. Plan in pencil. Without a vision, a plan is nothing more than a fantasy. I want this, I want that. Yeah, well, you need a plan. Otherwise, you're just dreaming. Proverbs 14 verse 18 says it this way. Foolish dreamers live in a world of illusion. Wise realists plant their feet on the ground. Planning is important. We need to plan. When you fail to plan, you plan to fail. We need to plan. But can I say, when we plan, plan in pencil. Now, this is not an excuse to keep changing your mind. This is not an excuse just to get out of circumstances and situations when it's tough. No, this is an opportunity to leave room for the unexpected. Let's be honest, the best laid plans of mice and men, none of us predicted COVID. COVID has taken us all by surprise. And some of the plans that we had as a church had to change in order to embrace COVID. And without making changes to the plan, it would be catastrophic to the church, to a business, to a family. We could put a head in the sand and say, I just wish it would go away. It's not going away. And so we have to hold on to these things loosely. We have to plan, but plan in pencil because of the unexpected things that take place. To keep doing the same things would be catastrophic for us as a church, for us as a family, for us as uh, businesses, etc. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says that in our hearts, humans plan their course, but get this, but the Lord establishes their steps. So we have a plan. This is where I wanna be. But God will take us on a journey. And sometimes it's one step forward and sometimes it's two steps back. See, life is more like chess than checkers. Checkers, it's always about forward movement. But chess, you can move forward, sideward or backwards. And sometimes life is like that. And God will order our steps. So we've got a plan, but we hold on to those plans loosely so that God can move. And one of the things that's going to help us make good decisions is my third point, and that is get wise counsel. Proverbs 15 verse 22 says it this way, plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And again in Proverbs 14 verse 7, it says, stay away from a fool. There you go. For you will will not find knowledge from their lips. The question is, what is wise counsel? Because everyone thinks they've got wise counsel. Everyone thinks they're wise. So what is wise counsel? Wise counsel for me is people that will tell you the truth. They'll tell you the truth in love. I'm so amazed at the amount of conversation you can have with someone about someone. And I said, well, has anyone spoke to that person? No. It just seems one of my big jobs in life is to tell people what others will not tell them. Because us talking about someone who's not in the room is not going to help them. We need people in our world that will tell you the truth. And secondly, wise counsel will tell you where the dangers are. And that doesn't always mean a no, it just means, hey, if you're gonna do this, you gotta be careful. If you're gonna invest the money in this thing, I'm not saying don't do it, but here's some of the dangers. Do you have people in your world that can help you and they'll speak the truth and they'll highlight some of the dangers? And if you do, how do you respond to them? That will tell you something about you. Can I say this? A friend doesn't always equal wise counsel. Most people interpret wise counsel as a friend. Friends can't always help you. Friends are awesome. Who loves friends? Who's got good friends? Who loves the sitcom friends? Friends are awesome. 
Friends are great, but friends don't always equal wise counsel. One of the retorts I always get as a pastor is, oh, my friends disagree. And I'm saying, well, well, let's look at your friends and see the fruit in their lives in this particular area. Just because they're your friend doesn't mean that they are the person. Because to me, wise counsel has to do with experience, expertise and results. Experience, expertise and fruit. If there's not experience, if there's not expertise and if there's not fruit, it doesn't matter how much of a friend they are, they're probably not the best person for you. And I would also say this, that uh, someone can be good and wise in an area, but not good and wise in another area. So you might get great counsel from somebody in an area. And again, for those who know me, know I love my dad. And my dad was an incredible wise man and he gave me incredible wisdom. But I didn't go to my dad for everything. My dad knew nothing about cars. And so when I went to buy my first car, I never went to my dad. I went to Uncle John across the road because he was a car nut. He was a car enthusiast and he helped me buy my first car. Dad, I love you. You're amazing. You've imparted so much wisdom to me. But when it comes to buying a car, I'm going to go to Uncle John. Love you, Dad, but I'm going to go to Uncle John because Uncle John knows more about cars than you do. Amen. And so the next time you want to see the pastor about a problem and that pastor, be it me or someone else, can't help you, it could be that we have enough wisdom to know actually there's someone better who can help you. And it doesn't mean that you're a lesser person because we've, we've handballed you to someone else. It could be that we're giving you someone who's better suited to help you in that situation. Does that make sense? Fantastic. Number four, is this helpful? Getting through it quickly. Number four is do first things first. These are principles I have lived by. Remember in February, we celebrate 28 years since we planted this church. In February, we celebrate 30 years of being married. These are things I've done for a long period of time. And this one is a big one. Do first things first. Proverbs 21 verse 17 says, Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. <coughs> yeah, McCormack. <coughs> Excuse me, this is clearing my throat. <laughs> should, I should not have done that. That's bad. Sorry about that. Write this down. To get what you want, you have to do what you need. Not do what you want. You don't get what you want by doing what you want. You get what you want by doing what you need. You have to put priorities before pleasure. Priorities before pleasure. See, you can't succeed without delayed gratification. We live in a world that doesn't understand delayed gratification and as a result, society is poorer for it. We want everything now. And if we can't get it now, there's something wrong. We're gonna take. But you can't succeed. You can't expect to succeed in life without delayed gratification. I spoke a moment ago about buying my first car. Now, my first car, the car I wanted, the car I wanted, now again, we were in the 80s. I wanted a Tirana. You'll love this, Pastor Danny. I wanted a Tirana SLR 5000. <laughs> a red one with the centre line wheels. The problem was I couldn't afford it without robbing a bank. But apparently that's not the right thing to do. And in seeing Uncle John, he said, 
That might be the car you want, but it's not the car you need. The car you need is one that will get you from A to B and will be reliable. That's what you need. You need a reliable car that can get you from A to B. Maybe later in life you can get you to drive, but right now, and so he recommended for me a 1974 Toyota Corona. Talk about unsexy, there it is. If you want to know what unsexy looks like, look up the 1974 Toyota Corona. If you want to know what plodding and unsexy looks like, it's me in a Toyota Corona, 1974. Thank you very much. Bought it for $2,500, paid cash for it. Had it for five and a half years. Ended up selling it to someone for closer to $3,000. So it's a good financial investment for me. But you know what happened? By, by not buying the car I wanted and buying the car I needed, here's the result. I was able to save a lot of money. Yeah. And at the age of 19, I was able to buy my first home because I didn't waste it on cars. And after seven years, I paid off my first home. Now, that's not luck. That's not just blessing, and although I do believe I'm blessed and lucky. I mean, just growing up in Australia, I mean, man, yeah. it's about blessed. But if we will not understand the principle of its priorities before pleasure, we're going to miss something. Yeah. I know the world doesn't understand the whole, what do you mean, no sex before marriage? I know they don't get it. But if you can draw a parallel between the divorce rate, the lack of trust, but in God's wisdom, if we, if we can build a foundation on trust, if we can build a foundation on uh, appreciating and respecting somebody's no, Imagine a young girl says, no, I don't want that. And the man who's in love, I respect your no. I think we would have stronger, better, healthier marriages. See, God's not the divine party pooper. He's the divine counsel of wisdom. And He wants to help us. And He understands this principle that if we put priorities, first things first, then it gives us the best possible chance of succeeding in life long term. Amen? Number five, finish what you start. This is a big one of mine. Finish what you start. Proverbs 12 verse 27 says this way. The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. Now, one thing you need to know about the Bible is when it was written. And when it was written, there was no electricity, which means there was no refrigerators. And so what this is saying is that before there were fridges, lazy people, this is what the, this is what the Proverbs is addressing, lazy people would catch their game they would cut off a leg, they would cook the leg and they would eat it because they were hungry and they just wanted their feed now. They wanted their spoils now. But they didn't finish a job. And the rest of the uh, animal would just get fly blown and rot. And then they'd have to work harder and go uh, hunting again. Whereas the wise hunter would cook the whole meat, the whole animal, and prepare the meat. So they had a meal, not just for the day, but a meal for the week. Finish what you start. If you've started a 12-week challenge, make it a 12-week challenge, not a one-week challenge. Finish what you start. If you've started a university course, finish the university course. I'm a pastor and I get excited when there are young people in university and want to serve Jesus. But even as a pastor that's you know, always got his hand up for more help, more volunteers. I'm always going to be on the side of finish your university degree. Don't just drop out and come help in the church. Because there's something about finishing what you start. You know, the Bible says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says that the devil is a liar. 
the trouble is, a lot of the times the devil's not lying with what he says. He says, the trouble is with you, never finish anything. And for a lot of Christians, that's true. He's not lying. And you can, you can rebuke him. You can call him a liar, but on many occasions, he's speaking the truth. There's something powerful when we learn the art and the principle of finishing what you started. I'm grateful for my dad's counsel when I was at trade school. I did my apprenticeship with my dad. I learned a trade very quickly because I was the only one working for my dad and because he put me on the job and I wasn't just sweeping floors, I learned the job quickly. And so I thought I didn't need trade school. And so I remember going to dad and, and, and I, was, I, was, I thought I was being clever because I, I told dad, I said, dad, because you're such a great teacher, because you're so good at your job, because you're such an amazing boss, I've been able to learn very quickly and I've left the guys and girls in the class behind. I'm actually excelling in my field because of you. And so I think it's a waste of my time going to trade school. And he looked at me and said, finish what you started. He said, if nothing else, it'll teach you patience. If nothing else, it'll teach you perseverance. Don't you dare quit. And I'm grateful for that kind of advice. Finish what you start. With the clause, sometimes we might be on the wrong path. Sometimes we may have in haste enrolled in a uni course that is just not according to our God shape. And there may be course for a change, but that would help if we were in keeping with point three, which is seek wise counsel. Don't just drop out. Don't just give up. Don't just give in, but finish what you start. Number six, sleep on it. Proverbs 21 verse five says it this way. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Hasty decisions are bad decisions. Every carpenter lives by this rule or at least should live by this rule. And that is, Macca, measure twice, cut once. Measure twice, cut once. Why? Because if you slow down and measure twice, you're less likely to make mistakes. The principle of sleep on it is really important and it helps us to slow down. Kath and I live by this sleep on it principle. If we're in the shops, you're gonna love, husbands, write this down. Just don't look at your wife right now. And we see a bargain. We see a discounted something or other. Instead of buying impulsively, you can try it on, you can look at it, we can take photos, but you're never gonna buy anything today. We'll always take a 24 hour sleep on it clause. And if it's not there tomorrow, guess what? You were meant to have it. If it's not there tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. If it's not there tomorrow, there'll be another bargain you'll be after. Sorry, am I just venting here? Sleep on it. And you know what, invariably, when you go back to the shop, what you do purchase, you do with a piece because you haven't just rushed in. It's not just hasty. Or if it's not there, it's just what's it meant to be. Or in sleep, you think, I don't even need it. You look at the photo and think, actually, I don't even like it. My bum looks bigger than that. Number seven, work hard, play hard. Proverbs 14, verse 23, all, work, uh, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. If you wanna be successful, you have to be prepared to work hard. I, you know, I'm tired about people talking, 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 talking. You gotta work hard, you gotta do the hard work. 
But Proverbs 23 also says in verse 4, do not wear yourself out to get rich. It goes on to say, do not trust your own cleverness. And so there's this, there's this tension the Bible talks about in Proverbs, that we should work hard, but let's not wear ourselves out working so hard. I, I think over my working life, I've been a hard worker. I think my wife has been a hard worker. When she came out of school, she wanted to be a dental nurse. And so she volunteered her time at a dental surgery. Wasn't getting paid for it. And then she got a part-time job at another dental surgery, getting a part-time wage, which didn't give her much money. And in order to make ends meet, she got a job at Myers selling women's shoes. So she had three jobs. And she was still being subsidized by the doll because those three jobs weren't giving her much money. That's a hard worker. Because she knew what she wanted and she went after it. She knew what it was to work hard. I believe in working hard. But let's not work so hard that we wear ourselves out and we lose our health. Many people lose their health to gain wealth and then use their wealth to try and get back their health. Or they lose their family. Or they lose their mind. They lose their peace. I love this principle. Let's work hard when we're working. But when we're not working, let's play hard. I think we've got a few things right when it came to raising children. But right at the top of the things I think we've done well is have good holidays. I learned this a long time ago. Holidays cover a multitude of sins. So we had lots of holidays to cover the multitude of sins as parents. We had good holidays. We had expensive holidays. We had short holidays. We had long holidays. We had camping holidays. We had five-star holidays. And, and, and all of those holidays, if it was just about work and if it was just about finance, I would say a lot of them weren't good financial decisions. But they were good family decisions. Because my life is not all about making only good financial decisions. Some people are making so many good financial decisions, they're losing their family. They're losing their mind. They're losing their health. They're losing so much peace. We have to have this balanced approach to life. And that's what I love about the book of Proverbs. Because it's going to help us have that balanced view on life. And in closing, I'd simply say this. And there's a whole heap of other things. If, if, if nothing else, maybe you can go to the book of Proverbs and find some for yourself. But maybe you can use that as a grid of a checklist. And maybe ones that you're doing well, just put a tick next to. And maybe ones that actually, I could that sleep on it, oh, I could do a bit better there. But this last one, do it all for God's glory. We need to look at our goals and ask ourselves this question. How will it advance God's kingdom? And how will it bring God glory? And this is what makes our success Eternal. Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and He will establish your plans. He will establish your plans. What is it that you're doing? This is for God's kingdom or is it just about your kingdom now? What are we doing that's bringing God glory? That doesn't mean you have to work in the church. It just means wherever you are, whatever you're doing, it's to God's glory. I love the fact that we have Lockie Hogarth on the front row here. He's a pastor at uh, Uniting Church called Journey. 
And he's a creative, he's a songwriter, he's a musician. And what he's been doing has actually blessed us, whether you know this or not. What he's been doing has blessed us because there's a song we've been singing recently called Surely. I'd like to tell you I wrote it. I'd love to tell you I wrote that song. I mean, it's one of my favourite songs right now. I would love to tell you I wrote it. And I can tell you I wrote it, I'd just be lying. <laughs> Which I'm sure in the Proverbs it says don't lie. I'm pretty sure it's in there. But Lockie did write it. And the kingdom's advancing, the kingdom's being blessed as a result of what he's doing. What are you doing to advance the kingdom? If God has blessed you to make lots of money, are you just making lots of money for you or are you being generous? Are you being a blessing? I'm not here to describe or prescribe what it is, but whatever it is, let's do it for God's glory. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.